You know what it is. That's right. It's time to talk money with your money nerd and financial coach. Now, tighten those purse strings and open those ears. It's the Money Talk with Tiff podcast. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Money Talk with Tiff podcast. Today, I have Jillian John Schrood on the line. And Jillian, I am so excited to have her on. Um, And you'll see why in just a moment. But just a brief bio, after becoming financially independent at 32 years old, 32, y'all, 32, we got to make it. Jillian turned her personal and professional experience towards a creative life. She is a popular public speaker, teaches online classes, coach, and a writer. Her book, Fire the Haters, Finding the Coverage to Create Online in a Critical World, because <laughs> we know that's a struggle, helps creatives and entrepreneurs share their best work with the world. She hosts the Everyday Courage podcast as well. So, hey, Jillian, how are you? Good, good. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. I am honored. So just to give people a little backstory, um, I met Jillian at FinCon this year um, and we were just chatting, you know, with our ally coffee and um, she pulls out her book and it's called Fire the Haters. And I was just like, oh, I love the name of that book. And so I start flipping through and I said, oh, my gosh, I have to have you on my podcast. Can I have you on my podcast? And she said, yes, I will have you on your podcast. And so that's why we're here because what she talks about is so important. It doesn't matter what you do, um, whether you work in corporate or you're an entrepreneur, whether you're a creative or not, um, this book is applicable. (laughs) It is applicable. Um, And so I just wanted to jump right in, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, And I want to talk about, so in part two of her book, um, she talks about overcoming imposter syndrome and the inner critic. Now, y'all, you know, I'm all about the mental mind games and things that we play on ourselves. And so just to open this up, what is imposter syndrome? Imposter syndrome is kind of that feeling of you don't belong or you're not good enough or you shouldn't be in this space or, you know, do I really belong here? Am I qualified enough? And you start to feel like an imposter that maybe you'll get found out. Like all of a sudden people will realize, wait, you don't, you don't deserve to be talking about this. You don't deserve to like be running that business because, you know, they'll see this fear and this insecurity that we have on the inside. And it really holds people back, especially when we're trying to kind of get out of our comfort zone and try new things and grow in new ways. All of a sudden that imposter syndrome kind of sneaks in. Yes, yes, that is so true. And just a moment of transparency for me, it wasn't until this year where I finally got over imposter syndrome. And I've been doing this for what I'll come up on four years in December. And it wasn't until this year. And I think what did it for me was going to FinCon and then having people that I look up to like, hey, Tiffany, oh, you put out such good stuff, you know, that type of thing. And I'm like, I do know what I'm talking about, (laughs) Um, but I feel like we all go through this imposter syndrome thing. Um, And one thing that somebody told me not too long ago, they were like, the only people that don't get imposter syndrome are the imposters. (laughs) Mm, 
Yeah. I talk about in the book, this idea of like unearned confidence. Like there are some people who have this confidence that they have not earned. They just walk through life with this unearned confidence that they just belong in every space and every conversation and even at FinCon. So I have this, I have this book that was coming out and at FinCon, it gave a talk about the book. So I went through different chapters in the book and we were at this little after party. Um, and someone who had been in the talk was asking me a question about the talk. And some person, we will not name a uh, race or gender, uh, starts speaking over me <laughs> about the topic that I just gave a talk on. And I was like, okay, buddy, whatever. And finally, the conversation kind of comes back around. And then the guy who had been in the talk asked me a question about my book, the book I had written. And this same person started talking over me, answering the question about the book I wrote. And I'm just like, dude, oh, so much under confidence. Right. Cause I'm like, sir, did you write this or like, <laughs> were you there? Okay. I missed that part. <laughs> yeah. But I can, most of us, if we don't walk around with this huge sense of like, our opinion belongs in every single conversation, which we have no qualification to speak on. Um, we just, we struggle with imposter syndrome. And especially when you're, you know, like you mentioned, you're going into new spaces, you're new in this thing. Um, but I view imposter syndrome in that it strikes at three moments, sometimes all three at the same time. It's when, it's when we uh, really care about our work, when it's important to us and it matters, we feel imposter syndrome. It strikes when we're stepping outside of our comfort zone and we're growing and we're trying and we're doing new things, imposter syndrome. And then it strikes when we're shipping our work, like when we're showing up as a professional, we're not being a hobbyist, we're not just like messing around behind the scenes, we're actually showing up as a professional and shipping our work into the world or it's going to interact with, interact with three, like with real people. All three of those things can trigger imposter syndrome, but all three of those things are critical and necessary for our success. So instead of viewing it as like, I don't belong here. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Like, am I qualified? Are people going to realize that I get, I don't belong here? Um, when I have kind of that emotional, physical feeling, instead I think about, I'm doing exactly what I need to be doing to get where I want to go. Like this feeling that I'm having, it just means that I'm producing work I care about, that's important, uh, that I'm growing, and that I'm shipping that work. Exactly, exactly. I am so glad you said that um, because I will tell you in my experience, right? So, you know, I was already maybe like two years into Money Talk with Tiff and I get this local guy calls me. Um, I will say it was a guy. Um, yeah, it always is. <laughs> I was like, I can kind of guess who you yeah. were talking about. But um, this, this guy calls me and he gets on the phone. He's like, hey, is this Tiffany with Money Talk with Tiff? I said, yes, this is her. Um, he was like, well, I'm looking at your card here. So apparently one of his clients gave him my card. And and he was like, I see your um, financial coach or blogger. You know, he said it in like kind of like a demeaning way. And then he was like, well, I'm a financial advisor. And I was just like, 
<laughs> I was like, okay. Like in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, how can we work together? You know, maybe we can put out some content, you know, whatever. But it was just like uh, trying to, um, you know, kind of jab. And when I'm out here putting out, you know, my work, which was writing, you know, at that time, then it's like, okay, when you get those jabs, it's like, it shoots your confidence down because it's like, I don't have anything like financial credentials or anything to back up that I know what I know what I'm talking about. But it's like, when people are like, well, I'm a financial advisor and I'm, and I'm serious this and doing this and blah, blah, blah. And then trying to throw that in your face, it's just like, why? <laughs> like, And so it kind of hurts, you know, when, you know, you pretty much have like life experience at this point and somebody's trying to throw book experience, which granted, like, cause I have all the things behind my name now, but it's like, there's, there's room for both is my point. And so it just makes it extra hard when people try to do that. So with that being said, <laughs> that goes into how do we turn out the noise? Like, like you said, fire the haters. Yeah. Like yeah. how do we fire the haters when they come at us like that? You know, that's, that's kind of what I dived into in the first section of the book is really who are these haters and why are they the way they are? Um, you know, why do they feel this compulsion to be critical or negative or hateful or manipulative online or increasingly so in person? Um, you know, I would say even just five years ago, we had like online behavior and then we had in-person behavior and the saying was like, Oh, they would never say that to your face. And now all of a sudden, uh, people do <laughs> like, especially during this COVID season, uh, I'm surprised and shocked at what people will say, uh, in person <laughs> to other people. Um, you know, it's kind of understanding what drives this motivation and, and the more you understand it, the more you realize, wow, this has nothing to do with me. This, this isn't whatever this person's doing or saying or thinking or feeling that's their stuff. And, and they're trying to project it onto me. Um, and no, thank you. Like you get to, you know, talk about like emotional boundaries in the book, kind of like a fence around a garden. You get to decide what's to, what gets to come into your fence, into your garden, but other people have their own garden with their own fence and they got to keep their stuff in their fence. And if they want to like be hateful or hurtful or insecure or shame people, like that's your stuff. You get to keep it, but it's not coming into my space. Um, and having kind of those, those boundaries, those emotional boundaries, Mm -hmm. You said so many words um, <laughs> with that because I'm just thinking about, so like, for instance, this particular person, like that was my first interaction with the person, but then, you know, I do work around the community, you know, I kept bumping into this person, whatever. And then I realized, okay, Tiffany, this is an insecurity issue. It's really not about you. And, and it took me to really start getting to know the person. And that's why I tell people, you know, it's hard to hate 
it's hard to hate someone once you get to know them. Right. And so once I got to know him, I said, okay, I see now this is not me. You know, it's just that, you know, maybe my name was bought up, you know, his client gave him my card. And so now he feels threatened, you know, when in my mind, I'm like, oh, this is a collaboration opportunity, you know? And so it's, you kind of have to, and that's why like part one of your book, I know we were focusing on part two, but part one of your book is so important because if you can pull out who these people are and what role they play in your development and who, you know, in your work, then you can use it to better serve your work and yourself versus internalizing okay well you know now I have to kick on the imposter syndrome because you know this person's coming for me um so oh you said so many so many gems in that that one nugget um so oh go ahead Oh, I was just going to say one tool that's helpful. It's been super helpful for me, especially online, but even in person and even with like family and friends and like, like my in, in real life relationships is this idea of giving yourself the gift of being misunderstood. Mm. We have such a desire for people to understand us and to support us. And we just think if we just give them enough information, if we keep explaining, if we keep proving ourselves, maybe they'll understand. And the reality is, if people want to understand, they will. And if they don't want to understand, it doesn't matter how much you try to sell it to them, convince them, explain it. Like, you know, and I see this all the time in family dynamics too. I was just you want be- your family to support you. So you just keep, you keep giving them more information and more information and they ain't asking a question. Like, I don't know if that's a good idea is not a question. It is not an invitation. For more information. Right. Um, and I was like, okay. Oh, um, just, you know, I think about that, that kind of, that financial advisor in your life, like, he doesn't understand. And that's fine. Like, not everybody has to understand. People will think and feel and assume whatever they want to. And I would argue that's the prerogative. That's the Right. If they want to think and feel and assume whatever they want, they're welcome to it. And we don't have to concern ourselves with that. Like that doesn't have to be our job to go around the entire internet and make sure everyone is thinking and feeling, assuming what we want them to think, feel, and assume. Because our work is going to interact with people. And I think about it like a chemical reaction. Like you bring one element and they bring whatever element from the entire periodic table to the mix, you have no control to what they're bringing from their history, their story, their ideas, their background, and your work and what they bring to the table has a chemical reaction and you can't control it because you're only bringing one of the elements. So you don't know what they're bringing and what will happen, but that ultimately isn't your responsibility. Your responsibility is what you bring. Um, And then you just kind of have to let the chips fall where they may. 
Right, right. And I'm so glad you brought up family and because I was going to your next chapter, which is directly after imposter syndrome, which is family and friends. Now, I know in my life, like I'm friends with a lot of entrepreneurs here locally. Um, We have like a whole like sister circle of entrepreneurs. But one thing that I hear so much is my family and friends don't support me. My family and friends, you know, this type of thing. And my response is like, for instance, I just had a conversation with my grandma the other day and I showed her my new like video podcast on YouTube and things like that. And they're still so clueless in what I do on a daily basis. But my point is, that's just not my audience. My family and friends are not my audience, so I can't force them to understand what I'm saying. There's plenty of people out there that will get it and that do understand, and that is my audience. And so I'm so glad you brought up the whole family dynamic thing, um, because that can, for a lot of people, that discourages them in entrepreneurship, you know? Um, And even, you know, if you think about to be an entrepreneur, let's say you want to quit your corporate job, right? Family and friends, they're the first to say, are you crazy? Like, what are you doing? Are you sure? <laughs> you know. Um, and like you said, it's just other people projecting their fears onto you. Um, so yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, so, oh, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I was just gonna say people will try to save you from things they're not sure they could handle. You know, and, and the the trouble is, or the beautiful thing is that we were each given like a specific vision for our life, something that only we can see. And your family and friends weren't given your vision because it's not their life. And so not expecting them to see what you can see, um, because that was a unique gift to you. That's why, like, that's why you're called to this certain path and trajectory, um, and kind of letting them off the hook. Like you said, there's, you can build a tribe, you can build a community of people who are qualified to give you advice, who understand how to support you, who, while they don't have the exact vision, like at least they're in the ballpark, like their vision's like in the ballpark of yours. And they, we have those shared uh, common language and experiences. Um, and so sometimes they're just, they're trying to save you from something they're unqualified to do. Um, but there's also this somewhat more painful reality in that sometimes when we're growing and we're changing and we're changing generational norms and we're changing family norms and cultural norms, um, Oftentimes our family and friends don't have the words to say you're growing and you're changing and I'm scared of how that's going to affect our relationship. And I'm scared that we won't have things in common. And I'm scared that you might be judging me or being criticizing me or think of me differently. And, and it's tough when our family, honestly, they didn't opt in to this change that we were making. Like they weren't part of the voting committee when we decided to do this. <laughs> right. And so that can be really tough, you know, and it's, it doesn't really matter what kind of change you're making. If you lose a hundred pounds, there will be people in your life who feel scared that you're going to grow apart, that you're not going to have as much in common. And so 
I try to address that fear. One, I try to make sure they don't feel like they have to understand or have to be supportive. Like I've got other people in my life for that. Um, but just finding, you know, kind of like with your grandma, finding those other bridges that you have in common. Like what are ways we like spending time together? What are topics we like talking about? You know, for like me and my mom, it's, it's food and it's kids. Like that's what we talk about. And it's okay that she's not like my email marketing funnel person. Um, I've got other people for that. Uh, we can just talk about like my kids and school and food and, and, and have, you know, focus your relationship on those things that you have in common. Um, cause our tendency is to just continually try to make them the support system for something that that's not their thing. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is so true because I have tried to get my family as like clients. Cause I'm like, Ooh, you know, come, you know, I can help you. Um, but I'd stop trying because it's not what I'm supposed to be doing. So there was one more chapter that I wanted to kind of cover a little bit while we're on the line, and that is procrastination via preparation. Mm. So I just wanted you to just dive into like, what does that even mean for the audience? Yeah. Yeah. And you'll, you might see it in yourself. You might see it in people around you where we keep preparing where we kind of have this, I just, I have to learn a little bit more. I have to get ready. I have to research a little bit more. I have to study a little bit more. Like I have to have, you know, I have to have the hundred page business plan and I have to have all the details worked out um, before I can get started and before I can take that first step. And we get stuck in preparation mode. Um, so I kind of use this litmus test of like ratios. What is the ratio of you preparing versus you doing? Um, and it's true for, for anything, Everything, you know, right? <laughs> one of my co-hosts on the podcast, uh, she helped me review this book was like, she wants to be a writer. She wants to be an author. She's like, I went and got a master's degree in fine writing (laughs) instead of actually just writing the damn book. (laughs) Um, But you'll see it in all sorts of things. Like, you know, instead of teaching yoga, you just keep taking classes on how to teach yoga. Instead of coaching people, you just keep taking courses on how to coach people. Um, Instead of taking those steps, you just keep planning behind the scenes. And the trouble with that is I have a chapter about test and scale. the trouble with trying to get all your ducks in a row before you get started is that so another chapter called confidence and clarity come in doing mm-hmm. like you have to do the thing to have the confidence that you can do the thing and you have to do the thing to have the clarity to know what you're supposed to be doing right. so every time you take a step forward you know you learn you learn about yourself you learn about the industry you make relationships um you figure things out and it shows you how to pivot just a little bit before you take that next step but all of those little tests and scales um are essential to coming up with a game plan of how this is actually going to work like there's just no way you can sit on your couch and figure out the next five years and every step along the way, because you don't have the relationships and the experience and the context and the education that comes in doing the thing. 
Oh my gosh, you said so much. And we both speak the same language because one thing that I tell people is like, don't get caught in analysis paralysis, which yes. is pretty much the same thing. And I did that. Like when I was starting this podcast, I'm like, okay, I got to research the equipment. I got to do this. I got to see like, what's the best way to do my show? You know, what's the best way? Like all of this research. And then I, it was like a whole year. I never launched any episodes. And so then I was like, okay, Tiffany, let's just do it. So I just bought a $20 mic from Amazon and <laughs> I just recorded like three solo episodes and was like, okay, this is what I'm going to put out. But once I put that out, people were like, oh, this is great. This is perfect. This is great. And it's like, I spent that whole entire year doing research that I ultimately did not use <laughs> just to come up with a, pro a product that people already enjoyed. And so um, I, like everything you said, it was like my life, like a couple of years ago is like, okay, I'm gonna do all the research. I'm gonna do everything right. But then when I, what I learned in going through this entrepreneurial journey is it's important to fail early and fail often. So that's what I tell people all the time now. I'm like, just get it out there. And if you fail, great. I don't even consider it failing anymore. I consider it lessons learned. And so if you get some lessons, you know, okay, next time I launch this or next time I do this, then I can incorporate these lessons that I learned. And now you make an even better product or a better service. And so um, <laughs> just to recap for the audience, no analysis paralysis, AKA there is confidence and clarity in doing and don't do the procrastination via preparation. Really all you're doing is procrastinating at the end of the day um, because you can just get it out there and then you want to fail early and fail often. You want to get it out there, see what works, see what doesn't test it, test and scale. Like she was saying um, so that way you can see what improvements you need. So I think this was, this is an awesome way to end the show. Um, so Jillian, if anybody was interested in either finding your book, Fire the Haters, or learning more about you, where could they find you? Yep. Um, so Fire the Haters is everywhere. Amazon, local bookstores, you can order it, um, Barnes and Noble, all that jazz. Uh, I'm at jillianjohnsrude.com. Um, and if you go to jillianjohnsrude.com slash content, uh, I actually have a free like four part course, like especially for small business owners to come up with a content strategy. Uh, Cause this book, while it's so good for like people like us at content creators, obviously, the people that I feel like need it the most are small business owners who know that an online presence would help them attract customers. And I don't care if you're a hairdresser or you own a coffee shop or you're a lawyer, like a, a therapist, an online presence, like putting content out there that resonates with your ideal customer will help grow your business. But those are the people that I see that are so hesitant. They're like, but do I have to? Right. Like, maybe, <laughs> maybe I can just put a bigger sign in the window. Maybe that'll work. Um, so I have a course about like creating the content assets along the customer journey. Um, so especially for small business owners uh, that I see get stuck there a lot. Um, get JillianJohnsRude.com and everywhere on social media at JillianJohnsRude. 
Awesome. Awesome. And I'll have all of those links in the show notes. I'm already going to get a book. I might even give one away to the audience. Um, hint, hint. So definitely check it out. Um, and I'll have all those links in the show notes. So if you didn't catch it, just click on the show notes, click on the links and you can go. Um, so thank you so much, Jillian, for coming on the show and agreeing to my madness. Because, um, <laughs> you know, it, it's FinCon. That's what happens, right? Um, so thank you so much. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Yeah, you too. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening, joining, and being a part of the Money Talk with Tiff podcast this week. You can check Tiff out every Thursday for a new Money Talk podcast. But if you just can't wait until next week, you can listen to previous podcast episodes at moneytalkwitht.com or follow Tiff on all social media platforms at Money Talk with T. Until next time, spend wise by spending less than you make. A word to the money wise is always sufficient. <laughs>